hello. My name is Ernie Schaefer. I'm the Chief Medical Officer and Lab Director at Boston Heart Diagnostics. And the upper left is where we used to be, and the lower right is where we're primarily now. But we, our whole genetics division is over in the uh, upper left building. So, Gary, if I could have the next slide. Uh, of course, we all know that uh, the vulnerable plaque is the lipid-rich plaque. Uh, where LDL and small dense LDL and lipo lipoprotein A and VLDL deposit cholesterol in the artery wall at sites of damage. And we think it's the small HDL that removes the cholesterol from the artery wall and becomes large HDL, which brings cholesterol back to the liver. But it does appear that the most vulnerable plaque are the plaques that have a thin fibrous cap and a very uh, lipid rich necrotic core, and that's been borne out by a number of recent studies that have been published. Um, and then, of course, we have markers like LPPLA2 and MPO that serve as uh, um, markers of unstable plaque. So if I could have the next slide. So, uh, of course, we launched this back in 2008, uh, HDL gels based on our work in Framingham that um, the large particles are the particles that deliver cholesterol back to the liver and patients with heart disease tend to have lots of the smaller particles, but not enough of the large particles. And it's the large ones that are most rich in cholesterol and get produced when um, uh, in the setting of normal HDL maturation. And this turns out to be a very strong predictor of, of future events large alpha-1 particle. So low levels of that particle are often seen in patients with established heart disease. So Gary, if I could have the next slide. So then, of course, in 2010, we launched the cholesterol balance test uh, because we had done a lot of uh, studies with uh, Peter Jones and Christy Ballantyne and other people on various statin trials. Uh, and what we saw was that the statins would inhibit cholesterol production markers, specifically lithosterol, but also desmosterol, but they would upregulate up absorption markers. And, in a, uh, and then when we looked at, uh, with Merck, we looked at uh, zetamibe, you could clearly see that the ideal situation to get the LDL under control was uh, to optimize both production and absorption. And this is a patient whose LDL is still high with elevated absorption. So here, instead of doubling the statin dose, you might consider adding azetamibe. And, and that when, that when you do that, it works really well. If I could have the net, and that was launched in 2010. And then next slide, we launched our fatty acid balance test in 2014. We actually just published a paper in the Journal of Clinical Lipidology on over a million people where we had done this fatty acid balance test. What's different about our testing is that we do not just GC, but also GCMS. And we can actually give people the actual concentration of EPA and DHA. And in the, in the reduced trial and even in the jealous trial, uh, giving people uh, pure EPA and getting that number up to about 150, the, the EPA number was associated with a marked reduction in events. Um, so if I could go on to the next slide. 
So moving on to uh, NMR, um, Jim Otvos was a pioneer in this area, uh, and he developed uh, using the 400 megahertz instruments from Brooker. He, he developed an algorithm for uh, measuring LDL particle number, and actually also now a few other parameters. And we launched on this effort in about 2015 when we acquired three large uh, Brooker NMR machines, but primarily we're working with a company called Numaris to um, to generate uh, LDL numbers, LDL particle number and HDL particle number. But it turns out, uh, much to my surprise, now that I've delved into this, the NMR technology, especially with the 600 megahertz machines that we have, um, are very, very efficient in not only uh, measuring uh, lipoproteins, but they can measure the amount of ApoB and all the particles, A1 and A2 in the particles. They can be used to measure cholesterol, ester, free cholesterol, triglyceride, and phospholipid. Not only can they do that, but they can do it in all these particles. It's quite amazing, and over the last uh, six months or so, we've been working with Brooker, the company that makes these machines, to develop um, analyses for uh, a lot more, which I'll show you. Next slide, Gary. So this is, yeah. So a little bit about lipoprotein metabolism. Uh, next slide. Hit the button again. So we do know from all our work on stable isotope studies at Tufts University uh, that after you eat, you make a chylomicron, and then it's pretty rapidly delipidated to a remnant. But that chylomicron remnant hangs around for about five hours. But after that, B48 is cleared, and the concentration of B48 is very low in the plasma. We have assays for it, but we don't offer it because it's less than 1% of ApoB. So if you hit the next slide button again, Gary, then, of course, in the fasting state, this is what we got. We got VLDL. We got large and small dense LDL. And again, uh, the VLDL pathway is fairly similar to the chylomicron pathway. Delipidation is about 10 minutes, and it's about five hours taken up by the liver receptors. However, more than two thirds of the VLDL goes on to LDL. And uh, oddly enough, most of it goes to large buoyant, but about a third actually, especially in the setting of hypertriglyceridemia, can be made directly from VLDL to small dense. And then, of course, the small dense hangs around a lot longer. It has a residence time. I don't know if that number is going to appear. Yeah, three days versus one and a half days. So that's the most atherogenic particle that we deal with, what Ron Krauss and Melissa Austin used to call pattern B, LDL, but now we can measure it very accurately by measuring small, dense LDL cholesterol. But we can also measure it very accurately uh, by NMR. Uh, if you could hit the next slide button, Gary. So uh, obviously, then we have the other end of the spectrum uh, where A1 is incorporated into very small pre-beta particles that have just phospholipid on them. 
And then they serve as an acceptor of cholesterol via the ABCA1 transporter. And then uh, the particle gets bigger uh, and gets, uh, you, the cholesterol gets esterified then, and the particle becomes nice and round, and then it keeps growing. And when it gets to alpha two, it has two ways to go. It can either mature to a large particle and be taken up by the liver, mainly via a, a scavenger receptor called SRB1, described by Monty Krieger here in Boston at MIT, or especially if there's a lot of VLDL high triglycerides around, you can transfer a lot of the cholesterol up to <coughs> rich particles in exchange for triglycerides via cholesterol ester transfer protein. And that results in much less production of of the large particles and much less um, delivery of cholesterol to the liver. And the final event in this process, of course, is for cholesterol, hit the slide, next slide again button, Gary, one more time, for cholesterol in the liver, of course, to go into the bile acids and for excretion from the body. So that's the whole cholesterol chain as we know it today. And there's a lot of recycling and remodeling going on with HDL, but the A1 residence time itself is about four days because it recycles. Next slide, Gary. These are our three NMR machines. They're 600 megahertz machines. This is on the far right here is Mariana Fernandez, who has been running this facility. We now have a new uh, MIT scientist named uh, Sarah uh, Betsy Flowers, who helps us with the doing this and is now doing all kinds of deconvolution analysis. So we are gonna get a lot more out of these machines than we had before, especially since they cost more than a million bucks a piece. So if I could have the next slide. So they have they have uh, 600 megahertz instead of the 400 megahertz that Jim's been using. Uh, and believe it or not, because of the, of the NMR technology, you can look at uh, constituents in all of these particles, ApoB, of course, in VLDL, IDL, uh, six LDL fractions, and HDL fractions. Uh, but we focus more on the atherogenic particles when it comes to when it comes to um, NMR, because we we know that uh, um, we know that sometimes the, the technology is not great at optimizing HDL subfractions. So, uh, but it's amazing what you can measure. Next slide, please, Gary. So the first question is, well, what about, how does this correlate with standard cholesterol and triglyceride on uh, by, by uh, venipuncture on the COBOS Roche instruments? It correlates amazingly well, you know, 0 0.98, 0 0.99 for cholesterol, triglycerides, for direct LDL, for HDL, for A1, and for ApoB. So it's amazing from just one MR, NMR run, you, certainly you can get these standard uh, lipids, which really amazed me. Uh, I never thought it would be this good. Uh, and if we could go to the next slide. Uh, and these are the 33 parameters that we plan to launch by on this NMR platform, not just the total cholesterol, LDL, HDL, non-HDL, 
triglycerides, small dense LDL, percentage of small dense LDL, IDL, VLDL, A1, A2, APOB, some ratios. Uh, we also plan to launch, um, because of the fact that LDL particles are so atherogenic, a very good breakdown of the number of particles, not only in LDL total and in APOB total, but IDL, especially for those patients that have dysbeta lipoproteinemia. Uh, VL, um, LDL1, that's the very large LDL, LDL2, LDL3, LDL4, and LDL5, and also the most atherogenic particle, which is small dense, which is LDL6. We will also give you a measure of the amount of APOB and LDL, IDL, and VLDL. If Alan Snyderman from Montreal were listening to this, he would be dancing a jig because all he ever talks about is APOB. <laughs> uh, then we're also providing you with LDL triglyceride, which from the ERIC study is reported to be a, a good marker of risk, IDLTG, VLDLTG. And finally, we, we have done a lot of work lately and have solved the problem of precisely measuring HDL particle number. And believe it or not, we can also tell you about cholesterol esterification. So most people esterify cholesterol quite well, but there are people that don't convert free cholesterol to cholesterol esters. So their ratio of free cholesterol to total cholesterol in LDL and HDL is markedly elevated. The rare examples of this that we published on are fish eye disease and LCAT deficiency. But you also see it in people with liver disease. When you get significant liver disease where you're developing cirrhosis, one of the enzymes that goes, of course, is LCAT. And that's when you start developing uh, 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 sterification problems uh, from just from your underlying liver disease. So I think I have a few more slides and then I'm done. Next slide, Gary. I'm not going to spend too much time uh, talking about serum metabolomics, but believe it or not, when we do a, a lipoprotein NMR profile, we also get all these parameters. And we plan to launch this in July. You get, uh, believe it or not, you get blood alcohol levels or serum alcohol. You get glucose, glycerol, creatinine, creatine. We get essential amino acids. Uh, we get non-essential amino acids. We get keto acids and derivatives. We get citric acid, lactic acid. It's it's amazing how me as a neophyte sitting there all this time, seeing these walking by these machines every day for five years, never realized um, their true potential. Not only that, if I could go to the next slide. This is my last slide. Uh, we um, can measure all a lot of things in urine which can be used for inborn errors of metabolism, but also uh, many, many other parameters. And we're in the process. We finished the validation on the lipo, lipoprotein map. We finished the metabol metabolomics on serum. Right now, we're working on validation for uh, urine metabolites and working with another company. Michael Danzinger is working actively with um, with uh, Melico, which is a company that uses of 150 of these parameters based on the Brooker algorithm to generate a dietary report on how, how well people are following 
what they use uh, from the UK. They're based in the UK. It's the World Health Organization diet model for an ideal diet for both heart disease and cancer prevention. So let me go to the last slide, Gary. I want to thank people for their attention. And, uh, and I, I'm very excited about this new offering. As a company, uh, I think we we're coming out of the COVID pandemic and we, we had a lot of COVID testing that we did and we had, still have great antibody testing and now quantitative uh, PCR testing where we're even met, starting to report CT counts, but I'm very optimistic about this offering around NMR, but also around our new uh, offerings for genetics, lipid seq sequencing, and also in the future, polygenic risk scores. So, and dry blood spot. So thank you for your attention. Thank you all for joining today. And we hope you'll join us again for the next Doc Talk. So do we have any time, Peg, for a Q&A? We do. If people would like to write a question in the chat or I can unmute people. I would just unmute people. Okay. Make Hello? it a little more informal. Yeah. Can you hear? Yeah. Hey, this yes. is Dr. Bailey in Atlanta. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I need you to clarify my understanding about the significance of the it being the particles being esterified. Yeah. So basically, when uh, uh, cholesterol um, enters the bloodstream, certainly on an when HDL picks up cholesterol from cells, it picks it up as free cholesterol. So that okay. means it's cholesterol without a fatty acid attached to it. Okay. And then for that cholesterol particle to actually be carried in the interior of a lipoprotein, it has to be esterified. Uh, so a, a fatty acid gets attached to it by the enzyme LCAT or lecithin cholesterol acyltransferase that takes the fatty acid off of the most common phospholipid is lecithin or phosphatidylcholine, which is, of course, widely used in all of our membranes. That's why mm -hmm. fatty acids are so important for membrane fluidity. And uh, this is a way, so that's how cholesterol is metabolized. And most of the, 70% of the cholesterol in the bloodstream is cholesterol ester. That means it has a fatty acid attached to it. 30% is in the free form. But if you have liver disease or LCAT deficiency, or um, from a genetic basis, then you can't esterify your cholesterol. And those people run into significant problems uh, over time with kidney failure because those abnormal particles muck up the kidney, but it may take years to do it. I don't know uh -huh. if that answered your question no, or not. No, that's helpful. And one other component, could you speak to the oxidation that would subsequently potentially occur with an LDL? Yeah, so uh, we don't, so the NMR platform doesn't measure oxidized lipids, but we do. We've been working really hard over the last two years with Dr. Samikas and Dr. Whitstam mm -hmm. from UCSD, um, which is really the old lab that Dan Steinberg directed uh, on oxidation. Uh, they were endlessly enthusiastic about vitamin E, but it turned out um, 
the randomized trials did not show significant benefit, but yeah, the okay. son of my former mentor, Bob Levy, his name is Andy Levy, who work, works in Israel, he showed that if you have a certain haptoglobin phenoty genotype, which we now measure, uh, that you get a lot of benefit from vitamin E if you're a diabetic. So that's those people should really get, if they have the abnormal haptoglobin uh, genotype uh, and, and they are diabetic, then they should get 400 units of vitamin E because they get a lot of benefit. But uh, the other thing I was going to mention in terms of oxidation is we do measure now oxidized phospholipid ApoB using an assay. So Sam and Joe had an ELISA assay, uh, which didn't was not high throughput, and but they showed great clinical utility. We got that converted over to a chemiluminescence assay by our friends in San Diego, the Dizon company, and we now purchase from them the kit for uh, LDL uh, ph uh, phospholipid uh, oxidized phospholipid ApoB. And uh -huh. we run that on our chemiluminescence uh, platform, the uh -huh. same platform we actually use for our COVID antibodies. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And that, that, those people, in my view, also, if they have high values, should be considered uh, to be uh, for a vitamin E therapy. But I would also say that um, to our great surprise, the San Diego group showed that the acceptor for oxida oxidized phospholipid on LDL turns out to be LP little a. So oh. uh, OxPL ApoB correlates pretty highly, about 0 0.65, 0 0.7 with LPA values because LPA is the acceptor of oxidized phospholipid after it's oxidized oh, okay. on largely small dense LDL actually, because those are the LDL that hang around the longest. Right. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Thank you. That was very helpful. It was a great, great talk. A little technical, but it's all good. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I get uh, my wife always says, Ernie, land the plane. <laughs> 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 Anybody else have Ernie, any Dr. questions? Dr. Yeah. Carlson has a question. Sure. Go Dr. ahead, Carlson? Dr. Carlson. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you well. Um, are you going to then start reporting out the LDL subfractions, uh, particle subfractions, and, and how are you going to display that? Yeah, uh, we have a nice color-coded report that Gary, who's manning the slides, has generated. It's going to look like our fatty acid report. It's going to be color-coded, uh, you know, same way. Uh, and basically, uh, red is bad and, and green is good. And... Uh, and um, that's how we're, yes, and we're working hard right now to generate more data uh, around uh, CVD. Um, and we, we did some studies with um, the group at UCLA, and we've sent them the data and some other groups as well uh, using the NMR. Uh, when will that occur? When will those reports start coming out? Uh, we plan to launch this uh, June 1st. Okay. And you mentioned something else was coming out July 1st? Uh, July 1st. Uh, yeah, the metabolomics, serum metabolomics. 
Okay. And but when you if you order a, a lipo map from Boston Heart, we automatically run. We automatically get the metabolomics. We just have to generate the re report. We get it off the Brooker software. So it's actually amazing. Instead of reporting LDLP and HDLP, we can report a lot of numbers now. Uh, because of the power of the NMR technology, especially the 600 megahertz technology. Uh, so 600 megahertz gives you about a third more resolution than 400, actually 50% more if you do. Uh, and it's, it, it allows for much greater precision in looking at the particles. And reporting A1 and A2 and all kinds of other things too, it's amazing. The only thing it can't measure, it can't measure oxidation and it can't measure lipoprotein A. But we have other tests for that. Okay, we'll go on to Dr. Dahl. He has a question for you, Dr. Dahl. Hi there, Ernie, can you hear me? How are you, Tara? How I'm are you? great, how, how are, are you? How this are, is my baby. In your practice. Everything's going awesome. I love being a virtual lipidologist. I can be anywhere in the world and, and do this fun stuff. And I love the details. This was a great presentation. You know, I, I've been loving NMR for 25 years. So I'm, yeah. you know, this this is just well, get, gets we, me very excited. We have, we have to give Jim Otvos a lot of credit. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he's he's been great. Um, what what a what a neat opportunity though that it's coming forward again to really have access to this as clinicians. I mean, I've been doing it this whole time, but it you know it's good to get the world to do it more. But I'm just I want to tell you I'm so excited that you guys are going to be reporting VLDL and IDL. You know, way back when I mean in the 1990s when we first started using NMR with liposcience, they would report that. And it was so helpful, as you were saying, in the type three dyslipoproteinemia, because those patients have low LDLP, so you can you can miss them. I mean, you can miss the fact there's significant risk, and then you'd look at the VLDL and the IDL, and it was like off the charts. But without that, it was very difficult to pick up on some of those, unless you did like an APOE22. So when Mayo Clinic started doing NMR, I remember I, that's when I first met Joe McConnell because. I was mad at them for not giving us the VLDLs and the LDLs because I think they just needed to standardize it in a way that they didn't feel they could. So, so it sort of came off the report for the next 15 years. So I'm super excited you're bringing it back because especially in our um, in our lipidology practices, we see a lot of those patients with type three and even yeah. you know you're, E2, you're E3 you're patients. Absolutely right. so you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. And it's so helpful. So thank you. And and believe if you guys want any pilot doctors to be ordering a bunch of these, I'm I'm happy to help in any way I can because this is just super exciting to me. Thanks so much for all the work you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. I think we're done. Thank you so much, everybody, for participating.